Well, a couple days ago, Anita and I went on a, on a little mini vacation, and we were driving back to Batesville, and we we're driving through a little a town called Rosebud. And as we drove by, I, I looked at Anita, and I said, Rosebud. And if, and if you've seen the, the movie Citizen Kane, you know what that reference is. Uh, Orson Welles, famous movie Citizen Kane, uh, about a 100-year-old movie, and, and, and it's about this character who's incredibly wealthy, he's, he's got everything he might want in life, he's ambitious, um, he's got everything except for significant relationships. And so uh, at the end of his life, he's, he's, he's uh, laying on, the, on his deathbed, and he drops this little snow globe, and he says, Rosebud. And the whole movie, they're trying to figure out, who is Rosebud? Who is Rosebud? And at the very end, you realize that Rosebud is not a who, but a what. Rosebud is his childhood sled that he used to uh, go on the snow with. So at the end of his life, here's a man so lonely that on his deathbed, he has nobody to cry out to. You might call him a lonely achiever. And this sort of movie, this sort of character is, is, some, is somebody that you see all the way through the, the great movies of our time. And so there's another movie called About a Boy back in the 90s. Uh, starring Hugh Grant, and, and there's this guy, kind of the same thing as, as Orson Welles in this old movie. He's, he's very ambitious, he's pursuing hobbies and pleasure, and uh, in the movie, he allots certain units of time to various aspects of life. And so he's got two units to playing pool, uh, five units to going to the barber, uh, ten units to working, uh, seven units to uh, playing golf, but none of the units is devoted to developing relationships. None of his time is devoted to, uh, to people. And so he's incredibly lonely, and there's this very poignant point in the movie where he's watching TV, and he's watching the movie Frankenstein, and there's that famous uh, line in Frankenstein where the monster says, alone, bad, friends, good, and it's speaking to Hugh Grant there as he's sitting in the seat. And I think it, these, these sorts of movies resonate, I think they resonate with us because this is our culture, isn't it? Uh, we live in a culture that values achievement. We value pursuing happiness, pursuing our goals. But so often we pursue our goals and we pursue achievement while, all the while sidelining relationships. And so there are many lonely achievers in our culture. So there's this book uh, by, written by Robert Putnam uh, called Bowling Alone. And he notices this about Americans. He says, you know, as time has gone on, he says more and more people are bowling. You know, bowling is becoming more popular. But he says the thing about it is more and more people are bowling alone. Right? They're joining less leagues. They're, 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 they're kind of neglecting community and more and more doing things alone. The lonely achiever. Uh, pursuing our hobbies, pursuing, uh, you know, uh, achievement, pursuing wealth, but not really allotting any time to developing significant relationships. Now, in our passage today, uh, Solomon is going to talk a little bit about this. You know, we, you, this, is a, this is an American problem, but I want you to see that this is, this is an, also an age-old problem. This has been a problem for humans for a very, very long time. And Solomon, in our passage, he notices this. In verse 7, he says, Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, uh, either son or brother, yet therefore is, there is no end to his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asked, for whom am I toiling and de depriving myself of pleasure? 
this also is vanity and an unhappy business. And so he, he paints a picture here. And he says, here's a man, do you see him? He's wealthy, he's got everything this life has to offer. He's making money, he's achieving his goals. He's developing his hobbies, he's doing all sorts of things in life, but he's lonely. He's got everything that this life has to offer, offer every form of, of, of capital except for social capital. He's pursuing everything except for relationships and therefore he is very, very much alone. Now, some people say that this is Solomon himself, that this is autobiographical. And so the pronoun in the passage at one point turns to personal. And he says, I, I never asked, for whom am I working for? Why am I doing all this? Who am I gonna share it with? So some people say, this is Solomon himself. And he's saying, this is what I've done. I've worked my whole life and I've achieved all these things and I've, I have so much to show for it, but I don't have anybody that I actually, that actually know in life. And so some people say, this is Solomon saying, don't do what I did. And it's not that this man doesn't have uh, people around him. It's not like, you know, he doesn't have warm bodies in, in his life. He's got all sorts of people around. So Solomon had a harem, you know. He's got all these women everywhere. And he's got servants, you know, all over his house. He's got people around. But he doesn't have any real, rich, significant relationships in his life. And therefore, he says, I, I, I'm, I, who, am I, who am I doing all this for? I have nobody to share it with. And it's not like he's doing it intentionally. It's not like he woke up one morning and said, you know what, I'm going to pursue wealth and ignore people. It's not like he, he made a conscious decision to do that. This is something that sort of happened to him over time. You know, he just got busy in life. You know, he's pursuing his dreams, he's pursuing his goals. And without, him, without even him knowing it, uh, he, he begins to become very, very isolated. And he drifts into this life of isolation. And Solomon says, do you recognize this picture? Do you fit into this picture? The lonely achiever. And then Solomon concludes by saying, this is vanity. This is vanity, this is emptiness. He says, listen, do you want a recipe for an empty life? Let me give it to you. Live your life for pleasure. Live your life for achievement and ignore relationships. This is a recipe for vanity. He says, at the end of the day, if you want, let me give you a recipe for an empty life. Uh, pursue everything in life except for people. And he says, at the end of your life, you, you will look back and you won't see any significant relationships. He says, this is meaningless. This is vanity. This is a, the way to leave a meaningless life. And you remember that Solomon, I mean, part of, one of the reasons why he's writing this book He's saying, listen, most people just walk around life without, without, without even asking the question, why am I here? What is this about? What is the purpose of life? And he's saying, you're gonna end up living a meaningless, empty life unless you live it on purpose. And one of the ways to live your life on purpose, he says, is to invest in relationships. And so in 9 through 12 here in the passage, Solomon gives us his argument. He gives us an alternative. He says, listen, let me give you some reasons why relationships are crucial to living a meaningful life. Let me give you reasons why it is so foolish to, to, to go through life ignoring crucial, significant community. He's gonna give us five reasons why relationships are crucial. 
This is how we're gonna spend the rest of our time here today. So uh, the first thing in his argument that Solomon says, he says relationships are crucial because number one, because of creation. Now you can't really see that in the passage here uh, overtly. It's almost in the background of what Solomon is saying here because uh, Ecclesiastes is a book uh, within the storyline of scripture. And so you gotta see it in that context. And when, when Solomon uses the word alone or when he says this person is, is all by himself and it's not good that he's alone, this should throw us back to something earlier in the Bible. It draws us back to the book of Genesis, to the story of creation. And do you remember that story? God is, God's creating everything. And after everything that God creates, he pronounces a benediction on it. He says, it is good. And so he creates the stars and the sun, and he says, let's all say it, it is good, yes. And then he, and then he creates the fish and the water and everything in it, and he says, what? It is good. And then he has Adam bring him all the animals. You know, the, the giraffe comes, and he says, it is good. And the rhinoceros comes, and he says, what? It is good, but then God brings the cat to Adam. And God says, I didn't make that one. No, no, even to the cat, God said, it is good. All of creation is good. Benediction, benediction, benediction. But there is one thing in the creation story where God says it is not good. What is it? He looks at Adam, who's alone in the garden, with nobody to share paradise with, and he says, it is not good. It stands out among the whole story. It is not good that man is alone. You see, Adam cannot enjoy paradise alone. Loneliness is the only ache, the only human ache that is not the result of sin, right? So guilt and shame, I mean, these are aches that come from the fall, but that come from sin. But loneliness is the only ache that is not the result of sin. Adam was lonely not because he was imperfect, but because he was perfect. It is not good that the man should be alone. He needs people to enjoy paradise, to enjoy God and his world. And why is that? It's because human, there's something that's true about us as humans. Human beings are made in God's image. And what is the, who is the God that we are made in, God's, in, in the image of? It's the, it's the triune God, the God who exists in a community of three. We are made in the image of a God who is not a me, but a we. And so in Genesis, when God says, let's create, he says, let us create man in our image. You are created by a God who exists in community, and therefore, Community and relationships are in your DNA. You were created for relationship. Adam could not enjoy paradise alone. And this is why when you ignore relationships like Solomon did, when you sideline them, it cuts against the grain of your very humanity. Right, when you sideline relationships and say, you know, relationships are nice, but we're really here to work, you, you are gonna dash yourself up against the rocks of ultimate reality. You were created to, for relationships with people. When you ignore them, you hurt yourself. Now, this week as I was studying this and thinking about creation, it's interesting how many studies there are that show how isolation is actually bad for us physically even. And so, for example, there's uh, one of the most uh, thorough research projects on relationships. It's called the Alameda County Study. 
uh, headed by a Harvard so- social scientist. And it tracks the lives of 7,000 people over nine years. And researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to, to die than those with strong relational connections. Then they found that people with poor health habits like smoking, obesity, poor eating habits like eating Taco Bell and McDonald's, but, but strong social ties live significantly longer than people with great health habits but who are isolated. In other words, it, this means that it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than broccoli alone. <laughs> right? Let that sink in a little bit. Let it sink in. You were created because of creation because of how you were built, because it's in your DNA to need people. Right, to ignore relationships is a recipe for a a life of vanity. And to foster deep, significant, rich community is what you were made for. It is not good for the man or the woman to be alone. Creation. But he also says, uh, also because of trouble. So notice in verse nine, he says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. So Solomon says here's another reason why you need relationships, because of trouble. Uh, In this life, you will experience trouble and tragedy and great sorrow. We live in a broken world where things are not the way they're supposed to be. And what this means is that into your life and mine, uh, tragedy's gonna come, trouble's gonna come, heartache's gonna come, disappointment's gonna come. And when it comes, if you're ever gonna make it through those times, you need relationships because of trouble. You need people to shore you up, to face the heartaches of life. And, and, and here's the thing about it is, nobody, nobody realizes this until it's too late, you know? Nobody walks around and says, air, I love air. Where would I be without air? Oh, where would, where would my brain be without air? I'm so thankful for air. Nobody feels that way about air until they're underwater. Then you start saying, air, where are you? And nobody feels this way about relationships until they're emotionally and spiritually going under. And then you're looking for people. How am I, what am I going to do? Where are, where are the people? But, but here's the trouble. Here's the trouble with trouble is you, you don't realize you need friends for this time and relationships for this time until it's too late. Then it's too late. When you're in it, it's too late because relationships take time and you need to foster those things. And if you wait until you're underwater, it's too late. So Solomon says, you need to value them now, value people now, because you never know when trouble's gonna come. You never know when you need to share the load. And that's what Solomon says here when he says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil, because of toil. You know, think about all the toil you go through in life. And all the, all, the, and all the struggle and work that this life, that you, that you experience in life, you need people to share that load. And so in Robert Putton's book, uh, Bowling Alone, he says there's something called social capital. And social capital is that thing, that re- relational thing that you have that you don't need to pay for. 
And he says, people with social capital, they don't have to, they get things for free that other people need to pay for. So for example, you've got to move, you've got to move your stuff. You're moving today, and you've got all these boxes to pack. If you've got social capital, you call up your friends, and you say, I've, I've got pizza. Come on over and help. And many hands lighten the load. People who don't have friends need to pay for movers. People with significant friendships when they're in trouble and they need somebody to talk to, they, they call up their friends who know their inner topography, that know their history, that, that know them and care about them. And these people counsel them and, and talk to them and listen to them. But people without social capital, people without relationships, pay for a counselor. People that are driving down the road and they get a, they get a flat tire, um, if you've got friends, you call up your friend who knows about cars and you say, help me out, you know, and they drive out and they spend their time and they, and they fix your car. But people without friends, people without relationships, they call AAA. People with social capital get for free what people with no friends or relationships have to pay for. I'm not against paying for counseling. I'm not against AAA. I've got it. I'm not against, uh, you know, paying for movers. I've done that too. But see, he's talking about relationships are crucial to lighten the load in life. And if, and if you wait until those things come into your life, it's too late. You've got to invest in relationships while you can because when you're in trouble, you need people to shore you up and to share the load and to help you through adversity. When a, ch- when, when a little child gets hurt, the, mama comes over and what does she say? She says, I know, I know, I know. Mama knows. And when you go through trouble, you need somebody to come to you and say, I know. I know you. I, I care about you. I'm with you. We all need that. You need friends for trouble. I knew a man that uh, his, he, he experienced a situation in life where his marriage was falling apart and his job was falling apart. And he came to me to talk. And my first question was, do you have any friends in your life? You need community right now. And he says, I don't have any people to call. I don't have any people to call. And I said, what about your parents? He said, I'm not speaking to my parents. And I thought, woe to the one who's alone when he falls. Who's alone when he falls. You need friends because of the inevitable trouble that you're going to go through. You need friends because creation. You need friends because of trouble. You need friends because of warmth, okay? So Solomon has this great little point here where he says, uh, again, if two lie down together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And so he's picturing the ancient world here. In the ancient world, there was no electrical heating, right? And so if you're going to keep warm, you need a blanket, you need a warm body to sleep next to. And, you know, we, you guys don't know about this, but there's something called winter. And we haven't experienced that in Batesville for a long time. But there, there's, you know, something called winter where it hits November and it drops below freezing and it stays that way until April. <laughs> and, when, and when it gets that way, you need a warm body, especially if there's no heating. And there's places in the country even where it is, there are long, hard, cold winters. Places like Michigan where God sends people when he doesn't like them, right? Where it's just cold, you know, and you need a warm body in your life. And Solomon is kind of making this basic point. You need somebody to share the warmth with. You need somebody to, to when things get cold, to share the, you know, the, 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 you know this, this heat. But I think there's a metaphor here where he's, he's kind of talking about the warmth of life, 
the joys of life, the, the beauty of life. And you need friends to share the beauty. Not just the trouble, you need people to share the beauty with. You know, all of us have had the experience where you see a beautiful sunset. And if you're alone, you look around for somebody to share it with, you know? Or you listen to music and you love this song, you want to share the song. You're playing golf and you're out on the golf course and you hit a hole in one and there's nobody to see it. What good is that? You go home and you say, I hit a hole in one and nobody believes you. You need somebody to share the triumph, to share the warmth, to share the beauty with. And Solomon is saying, this is the the recipe for a meaningful life, a a life of full human flourishing. It's when you you see the beauty, you, you can share it with somebody else. Adam could not enjoy paradise alone. Paradise alone. I've seen it in my own life. I am, I'm not somebody who enjoys uh, sunsets naturally. I'm, just not, so I'm a city boy and I'm always in my head. I'm always thinking about stuff. But Anita, my wife, is a romantic. She loves nature and she, just, uh, she, can, she can appreciate the beauty. And since we've been married, we've, we, I've learned to appreciate nature because she's sharing that with me. Brent, look at this. This is incredible. And it helps me and it helps her to share the beauty. You need that. And a couple weeks ago, we went, or a couple weeks ago, and a couple days ago, we went to Pettijon National Park, and there's this, up on the mountain there, you can see the sunset, and, and we were up there, and we were sharing it with, with each other, and we're sharing it with our kids, and, it's, and, and we're sharing this beauty together, and that wasn't even enough, and so we shared pictures on social media. We wanted everybody to see the beauty, and this is one of the reasons why you need people. You want to share that warmth. You want to share that joy and the beauty in life. C.S. Lewis was, was part of a famous a circle of friends called the Inklings. And this included a J.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, and an author whose name was Charles Williams. And Lewis always said, you know, I wish I didn't have to share uh, J.R. Tolkien. He loved Tolkien. and he, I wish I didn't have to share him with Charles. I wish it was just me and Tolkien together. But then... At one point, uh, Williams unexpectedly died. And Lewis found that when Williams was gone, he actually had less of Tolkien uh, than he'd had before. And this is the way he puts it. He says, in each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I'm not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Now that Charles is dead, I I shall never again see Ronald's or Tolkien's reaction to a specific Charles joke. Far from being, having more of Ronald, having him to myself, now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. And this friendship exhibits a glorious nearness by resemblance to heaven itself, where the very multitude of the blessed, which no man can number, increases the fruition which each of us has of God. For every soul seeing him in her own way doubtless communicates that unique vision to all the rest. That, says an old author, is why the seraphim in Isaiah's vision are crying, holy, 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 to one another. The more we thus share the heavenly bread between us, the more value we should have. The more you share, the more value. And beauty in life gets better when you share it with other people. So you need friends to share the warmth 
and to share the joy and to share the beauty. And then Solomon goes on and he says, and lastly, you need friends because of safety. And this is what he's getting at here in the very last verse. Uh, He says in verse 12, and though a man might prevail against him who is alone, two will withstand him. A A threefold cord will not easily be broken. Here he's talking about safety. He's essentially saying there's safety in numbers. There's more security when you have a community of people around you. And so here's what you need to know. This life that you're living is dangerous. There are all, all sorts of things that threaten you in this life. We, there, in, the, in the Bible, there, are, there is metaphor after metaphor that likens this life to a battle. And you've got enemies. And there are people and things in this life that, that want to destroy you. And so the Bible says that you know, there, are, uh, there are things that threaten you physically in this, in this world. Dangerous people, you know, wild animals, things like that. There are things that threaten you morally and and emotionally. There are sins and pitfalls that threaten your your life. And then there's cosmic evil. There's angels and demons that are are in in this world out to get you. This is a dangerous world that we live in. Therefore, says Solomon, you need friends who've got your back who are there to to protect you, who are there to defend you. You've got blind spots. There are things, there are fatal fatal flaws in your life that you cannot see. A blind blind spot by definition is something you can't see. And you need somebody in your life who cares enough about you to say, man, I am worried for you. I see you, I'm paying attention to you, and I'm worried for you. And I won't, I won't let you do what you're doing. You see, there, are, there is safety in community. You need people around you who care enough about you to, to fight for you and, and sometimes to oppose you against you. When you watch a, one of these shows, you know, Planet Earth or one of the nature shows, it's always, it's always the animal who wanders off by itself that gets eaten. Right? It's, it's the animals who stay in the pack. It's the animals who, who stay within the safety that comes in numbers. And so Solomon says you've got to understand there, there, there's safety in, in community. You need relationships because you live in a dangerous world and there, there are all sorts of pitfalls around and you need people around you to shore you up. And so here's the argument that Solomon's making. He's saying, don't make my mistake. Don't do what I did. I, I've spent my life pursuing just about everything, you know, pleasure and hobbies and money and achievement, but I've ignored people. He says, if you're not careful, you're going to get to the end of your life and realize that there are no relationships. You haven't invested in people. Because of creation, because of the trouble, because of the warmth, because of safety, you need to make it one of your goals in life to develop community. Let me me conclude here. I think most of us know this. I, I don't think I've given you anything necessarily new, new information. I think most of us know that community is important, that you need relationships in your life. But I think a lot of us, because we're pursuing other things, just kind of end up ignoring them. 
and not really putting in the investment that relationships require. So let me give you just a few things to do here at the very end, just by way of application. Um, I think b- b- because it's so easy to sideline community, the first thing we need to do is prioritize our relationships. You prioritize things that you value. You know, if you, prior- if you value health, you're gonna prioritize exercise. And you're gonna make it one of your goals in life to to get up early in the morning and to spend time at the gym. And what I want to tell you today is prioritize relationships. Make relationships a goal in your life. Spend time, spend energy on friendships and people. John Ortberg puts it this way. He says, people rarely drift into deep friendships. Psychologist Alan McGinnis notes that rule number one for entering into deep friendships sounds deceptively simple. Assign top priority to your relationships. Ironically, we tend to devote massive amounts of time to making money, running errands, and succeeding at our jobs, but we neglect giving our most valuable possession, time, to the experience for which we were created, community. Devote time and energy and prioritize relationships. And start with the people that are already there. There are, there's already people in your life, children, you know, sons, daughters, spouse, coworkers. Who is in your life? Pay attention to those people. Pay attention to them. I know you've got a lot to do. I know there are things to do, but prioritize the people that are in your life. They are valuable. So prioritize relationships. Another thing you can do is invest in relationships. Think about relationships as investments. A lot of us, we want the benefits of relationships. We want the warmth. We want somebody there when when things are bad. We want these things that, that relationships give us, but in order to get those things, you've got to invest in relationships. You've got to spend the time and the energy making that investment. And when you make the investment in, in community and relationships and people, you get the return. And sometimes it seems like the investment that we're making is almost wasting time, you know? When you carve out time in your schedule just to be with somebody. In our culture of achievement and efficiency, sometimes it seems like you're wasting time. You're not. You are investing your life. People matter. Relationships matter in the long run. And so every moment that you spend investing in a person, getting to know that person, being known by that person, is is a very incredibly worthy investment. Carve out space. Uh, Join a community group. I don't know if you're you're not in a community group. I know that sometimes life is busy and it's hard to carve out time. That's an investment. And you may not meet your best friend in a community group, but at least you're, you're making your odds better. Carve out space, invest your life in community. And then finally, um, put Christ at the center. Now notice, at the very end of the passage, there's this famous little line where he says, and a threefold, cold, a, a threefold cord is not easily broken. This is normally uh, applied to marriage, but it's kind of a general community thing, I think. 
And what many commentators, the way they've interpreted that is that, that God himself is the center cord. So in every relationship, there's gotta be a threefold cord, right? God himself, Jesus Christ, needs to be the center of every relationship. And this is important because here's the deal with relationships. It's not just that you're too busy. It's not just that you don't have enough time. Sometimes we don't invest because relationships are painful. You know, relationships are messy. Relationships are filled with drama. Save the drama for your mama, right? <laughs> relationships are, you, you're like, I'm quoting that. I'm going to tweet that right there. Um, you know, this is just the nature of relationships. John Ortberg says that everybody's normal until you get to know them. All of us are a little off balance. And so people hurt you. And this is why Simon and Garfunkel saying, I am a rock. I am an island. I have no need for friendships. Friendships cause pain. And that's true. But don't avoid it. Spend the emotional energy. Navigate those difficult waters and do it with Jesus at the center. Because you need grace for this, to forgive people when they wrong you. Uh, you, need, you need courage to do this, and, and only the gospel says that you are more loved than you ever dared imagine. You can do this, you can invest, you can take the risk to open yourself up to somebody else because Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ on the cross was utterly alone. He suffered alone and he died alone so that he could bring you in. So that he could heal your relationship with God but also so that he could help you mend the relationships around you. And some of you, man, there, you've got, there are people that you're not talking to, parents, children that have drifted apart and I wanna just say today that, that investing your life, spending the time, taking the risk to forgive and to open yourself up is so worth the effort. Solomon says, I don't, want, I don't want you to waste your life. I want you to live your life on purpose. I want you to live a life full of meaning and joy. And the way you do this is by investing in relationships. Let's pray. Father, uh, this is wisdom that Solomon gives us and uh, God, I, I know that I'm guilty of just getting so busy, busy, busy with life and, and things getting, uh, you know, too important to me that I, that I fail to just sort of be present with people that I love, uh, invest time into my core relationships. I pray that you would help, of, help all of us to catch this vision that Solomon gives us here, that we would be people that prioritize people God, that you would give us the skills, the courage, the grace to invest our lives in relationships. Uh, help us, God, to start this week, uh, whatever that looks like. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.